Kuzampo and a warm welcome to another episode of One Earth, our program for environment. For today's episode, we are in conversation with Mr. Jamyang Jamsongwanchu, who is an actor and an environment advocate known as the Messenger. Today we are joined by an, a special person that I've been really looking forward to talk to, and yes, we'll begin with your introduction. Yes, uh, thank you, Tandi, uh, for for reaching out and for having me on your show. Uh, my name is Jamyang Jamso. I am an actor, uh, a filmmaker, and uh, now an environmental advocate. And uh, I just recently completed my campaign. It's called the Messenger Right for Action. So what it does is it kind of, it raises awareness on the impacts of climate change and also advocates for uh, action. So like you mentioned, you are a filmmaker and an actor, Mola, and I think uh, people know you popularly for the films you've done. But yes. what made you uh, what made you start the journey as an environmental activist? Yes. Uh, it goes back a long way. I had a very formative uh, early upbringing in the East. Mm-hmm. My father was posted there, a civil servant. So from the fourth grade onwards, I grew up in Pemagatsal. At that time, uh, there was no electricity uh, or telephone. And uh, in the beginning, I didn't have many friends. So the best thing for me to do during holidays was to accompany my father uh, on his village tours. So he was a district administrator, and he would often go on village tours. Uh, and at the time, uh, he would uh, create awareness and advocate on health, sanitation, uh, water, sanitation, awareness on HIV AIDS and the small family, happy family. <laughs> so, so I remember all those. So I would uh, accompany him. So we'd walk through forests for weeks. And uh, I think that really helped me nurture my love for nature, for the natural world. And I think that it all started from there. And uh, yeah, when I was not joining my father, uh, behind where we lived, it was just jungle and there were small villages. And my friends, my classmates were all uh, from the village uh, behind where we stayed. And uh, they would sometimes come by with the cows, you know, and I would join them. And uh, I would, I remember we would not take any lunch or food. So we'd just go to the forest, pick wild berries or, you know, uh, dig out tree roots, fruits. Mm. So, so I think that was a very uh, beautiful experience growing up. And uh, that really gave me a lot of... Uh, I think uh, beautiful memories and uh, really helped me see how beautiful nature is. And it's been with me since uh, in my psyche, the love for nature. Mm-hmm. So that was my the beginning of my journey as an environmental advocate, I'd say. And about the campaign, uh, the messenger right for action, how did that begin? Uh? Um, so it was kind of like in 2018, uh, this youth movement, when the youth movement really started. Uh, a couple of months before that, I remember uh, coming across an article that said uh, a funeral for a glacier. Of course, it was a marketing gimmick, but it really caught my attention. So it was, uh, the glacier is called uh, OK Glacier. It's in, now I forgot it's whether it's in Iceland or Greenland. I think probably Iceland. So they held a funeral. So that glacier disappeared. 
and I think that was a poignant moment for me. It stood out, mm-hmm. and uh, it made me wonder about our glaciers. And uh, that was, I think, the start of uh, my advocacy, you know, as an environmental advocate. Because it really made me wonder. And then a few months later, uh, this news about Greta Thun- Thunberg exploded and mm-hmm. took the world by storm, and the movement, the youth movement across the world. That really inspired me. And then since then, I, I've been working on, uh, since I'm a filmmaker, I was tr- tr- developing a documentary on climate change. Mm-hmm. And uh, as part of it, I applied to a climate leadership training course uh, that was uh, given by the former vice president of the US, Al Gore, his foundation. And I got selected. So I, of course, I had to pay my own mm-hmm. uh, logistics. So I flew to New York uh, in Feb 2020 to attend the uh, leadership training. So while waiting uh, to attend uh, the the training, I was in New York. So I was supposed to fly to Vegas from New York. The pandemic uh, took off. I mean, New York became the epicenter. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything got cancelled last minute, and I was stuck in New York. Flights were disrupted, and uh, actually eight days after WHO announced. Uh, that COVID-19 was a pandemic, I, I got exposed. Actually. I got infected by the virus. And uh, the place I was staying, the area, uh, it was actually, that was the center of the epicenter uh, in New York. And we were just uh, two kilometers, less than two kilometers from the main hospital. And every other minute we'd see ambulances, you know, whizzing by with the sirens on full blast. And it was a really scary moment. When I first heard that uh, I was exposed, that I was infected uh, from my host, I remember uh, I was sitting on the couch and I, I clearly remember my, literally my heart sank to the bottom of my stomach mm-hmm. and I, I was like really scared. And I remember telling myself, yeah, this is just a dream. It was really scary. During that moment, you kind of, in movies, you know, your life flashes back. No, not literally like flashing back mm-hmm. in a second or anything, but you tend to question yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I, I thought I was going to die. I, that was just, I think it was an overreaction, but then, you know, it's just uh, how I react mm-hmm. at the moment. I thought, you know, that I was going to die. And uh, if, if I really was going to die, you know, then I, I had so many questions for myself. And uh, I, I wasn't an, uh, proud of uh, most most of the answers and then finally I said okay so I consoled myself and I said if I get through this if and when I get through this I want to do more I want to be a better person I want to be a better friend a better brother and uh, then I asked myself uh, what is your purpose in life and I remember I didn't have any answer and then I asked myself what do you love Mm -hmm. in life what are you passionate about what makes you smile what makes you happy and, and then that's how this campaign came about. Because mm-hmm. right now I get to do everything I love. I, I, com- I get to combine uh, films, with travel, sports, and uh, I get to champion for the environment. Mm-hmm. So this campaign combines everything. And uh, that's how actually it all, it all started. For me, the COVID infection, COVID-19, the pandemic was, uh, was really, truly a blessing in disguise. Exactly. Had it not happened, I don't think I'd be here right now talking to you or even the campaign. You know, I, I would not have, I don't think I ever wanted to do anything as mm-hmm. <laughs> ambitious and as big as uh, as this. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a, a film and, mm-hmm. you know, just do my bit. 
Yes, so about the campaign, the yes. Messenger Right for Action, if we could have a brief about the um, campaign. So what the campaign does is uh, two months ago, I trekked to Lunana. Actually, I carried my bike, mm-hmm. my bicycle. It's an old, uh, almost 12-year-old uh, trek bicycle. And uh, I want to give it a second life. I didn't want to throw it away. You know, I, I wanted to uh, tour with, with that bike. So I carried that bike and I hiked, I trekked to Lunana. Mm-hmm. Actually, I trekked to a glacier. Uh, the Tortomi Glacier. So it mm-hmm. took me seven days of an average, maybe eight to 11 hours a day. So I reached the lake at the lake on the seventh day. And uh, of course, physically and mentally, very, very challenging, challenging, but it was worth it. Uh, so along the way, I picked up a discarded plastic bottle mm-hmm. and that bottle happened to be a Coke bottle. And it was quite shocking uh, and disappointing to see that along the trail, uh, you're at the mountain pass, mm-hmm. at a high mountain pass, you see this beautiful backdrop, mm-hmm. the Himalayas, and, and below you see, you know, emerald lakes. Mm-hmm. And then you you look around and then you see trash. trash. And then I think the Lyaps and Lunaps, the horsemen, they love Coke. The Coke bottles along the path, it's just some are very new. Some some are really old also, you know, mm-hmm. so you, you know that by uh, the amount of Coke bottles mm-hmm. you find along the way that they, they really seem to... Like Coke. <laughs> like Coke. Uh, so I picked up a discarded uh, Coke mm-hmm. bottle and I took it to the lake and I collected the, the meltwater, the glacier, mm-hmm. uh, Tortomi glacier meltwater into the bottle mm-hmm. and I brought it back with me. Now the significance of this is, uh, so I want the, the bottle to stand for plastic pollution, the waste problem. That's rampant, not, not just in, in Bhutan, but all mm-hmm. over the world. Mm-hmm. And the meltwater... Uh, represents uh, the impacts of global warming and climate change on the Himalayas, the glaciers. Mm-hmm. So the bottle as a whole, for me, it's, it's symbolic. Uh, it, it's a symbol for climate action. So carrying this bottle, on the 1st of October, I cycled from Pemagatil to Timpu. Mm-hmm. And I concluded the campaign in Timpu on the 30th uh, mm-hmm. of October. And of course, now you know why I started from Pemagatsel, to pay tribute to my route. Basically, because uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Pemagatsel, living in Pemagatsel transformed my life. So I just wanted to pay tribute to that. Uh, so I started from my school, planted a tree there. And along the way, I visited all my old schools and mm-hmm. I was uh, really grateful to the management that uh, was able to do that and also plant trees and uh, more importantly, uh, engage with the students mm-hmm. and talk to them about the campaign, what it stands for, and the state of uh, where we are uh, with climate change. And if you could mention some of your observations along the wheel. I've talked to a lot of people, like in Lunana, there's this talk about people uh, in the village, uh, people seeing mosquitoes for the first time, and uh, I have confirmed to that there are people in the village who have seen mosquitoes. Uh, but apart from that, uh, when I was there in September, uh, I think some of the households, some of the nearby villages, they were already harvesting, I don't know what they were growing, millet, wheat, I'm not, they said they, it was about to ripe, so they were going to harvest in a week or two, which is a month earlier than usual. So, and they said they, this has not happened before, mm-hmm. but it's happening more and more often mm-hmm. in the recent years. So, so that's one observation that I've uh, found through my talks and uh, there are a lot of interesting stories uh, along the way that I came across so, so basically through this campaign mm-hmm. I 
of, of course, I'm advocating for creating awareness on climate change impact. So I'm making a film, a mm. documentary series that covers different environmental topics uh, through the journey. So each district has a different environmental topic. For example, Wangdi. So in Wangdi, we talk about the importance of wildlife habitat protection through the story of the black-necked cranes. Uh, similarly, uh, in Ha, uh, the yak herding culture that's disappearing, you're going to get hold of a yak herder once he comes down from his mountains up high in, in the highlands, from the highlands, and we're going to get his story, share with uh, our viewers how things have changed from his perspective. So Anuzume, there are so many observations that mm-hmm. I would like to reserve for the film, mm-hmm. other observations that would come out probably uh, first or second quarter of next year, partnering with uh, uh, Bhutan's uh, OTT, Shangri-La. So, so it'll be on Shangri-La very soon. I think this is a project that we all should be looking forward to, and I am excited for that. Uh, like you mentioned, some of the stories, Nola, about them harvesting earlier than they usually do. Do you think these communities understand that these are the impacts of climate change, or do they have their own reasons for why it's happening? They do. For example, when I went to the lake, I wanted to actually have a young child mm-hmm. from the community come with me to the lake and... Uh, I wanted that child to source the meltwater and mm-hmm. give it to me. Basically, that's what I wanted to do, to take their message. But uh, they they have this belief that if they cross a certain point towards the, the lakes, uh, the child uh, will be sick because of uh, superstition. So similarly, uh, on a similar basis, I think uh, climate change and lakes bursting, they attribute from what I understand and from from my observations, they attribute it to uh, the wrath of the, mm. the deities and mm-hmm. guardians. So that's where I think uh, advocacy comes mm-hmm. in. And we try our best to, to tell them that it's also, you know, we, we, we wouldn't deny them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'd all say it's also because uh, mm-hmm. of the changing uh, weather pat- uh, climate, climatic mm-hmm. uh, pattern. So this time I observed uh, the plastic pollution along the trail mm-hmm. in Lunana. So I am planning to return to Lunana because the first time I was there, we couldn't really get uh, beautiful shots that we wanted because of bad weather. Mm-hmm. So we need to return to get some pickup shots. And when we do, uh, it's on my agenda, uh, the campaign's agenda, to request uh, the village head to maybe have a small shot uh, meeting mm-hmm. with the villagers and then talk to them about the observation of, of what they do along mm-hmm. the, uh, the path, the, the discarding of single-use plastic, and talk to them about the challenges they face, whether they are aware that this mm-hmm. is polluting, and see if uh, the village or the community head uh, is doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So I think we can start from there, Sunodila. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a good follow-up as well with you for your campaign. Now, with the campaign, like you mentioned, it definitely must have been physically uh, challenging to you and you must have had to prepare a lot of a lot for it as well. But uh, understanding that uh, this might have required a lot of help as well, uh, do you have any, uh, did you have any relevant agencies who helped you with this campaign? Uh, coming to your first aspect of, of your question, uh, it was really physically demanding. Mm-hmm. So I did prepare. Because last year I went, I, I did the same uh, trek uh, carrying my bike. I trekked to the base of Jumalari, which is uh, actually two days walk, but we did it in a day. And 
it was really taxing by the end of the day i had two huge blisters on the sole of my feet on mm-hmm. both my feet uh and so with that uh experience uh this year i started early i prepared i trained in the gym i mm-hmm. went for hikes i mm-hmm. carried weights uh but really nothing can really prepare you for the elements because uh during the hike uh the first 3 days you know i had uh, uh supplements protein shakes and uh, amino acid and uh i credit slowly uh because i had an injury scare i had a torn meniscus a couple of years ago and i didn't want that to to return so we traded slowly but uh somehow it was i there were times that i thought this was going to be impossible yeah, because being actually up there high in the mountains it's, it's just really di- different mm-hmm. uh so what what i did was on the third day i just said okay uh i'm just going to let the process take over I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. If I can't, then maybe I can let the horse carry the bike, mm-hmm. but I'll still continue. But until that day when I t- totally give up, until that happens, I'm going to do it myself. From that third day, I stopped taking supplements or I just wanted uh, it to be as natural as possible. Mm-hmm. I just eat whatever was provided by the cooking staff. And uh that was kind of transformational because uh I was just letting I wouldn't say nature take over, but uh I think you were just going with the flow maybe. with the flow basically yeah and uh that was a very powerful moment uh that actually gave me more motivation and that helped me get to the lake mm-hmm. and getting to the lake was even more challenging because uh, there's no clear path and then it was raining it was really uh, wet slippery we had to hop on huge boulders mm-hmm. and it was really slippery there was one time when i almost uh, fell over and then because i was carrying the bike uh i couldn't find my balance uh but luckily nothing happened so so basically yeah it was it's really really difficult physically uh demanding but all that was made possible with the of course support <clears throat> of a lot of people friends family uh, well wishes and also some companies and agencies mm-hmm. mainly it was a uh, i would say made possible through the partnership of shangrila our main partner mm-hmm. because before shangrila came in we were struggling to raise funds uh, some partners had committed but they backed off the last minute and a lot of the relevant agencies very disappointingly did not uh, i i wouldn't say believe but did not uh, they did not want to be part of it. they did not support let's keep it simple more <laughs> a lot of the relevant relevant agencies uh somehow uh did not support the campaign mm-hmm. uh but then there were others who did in their small ways mm-hmm. so i had what i had to do was do uh, i had to run a lot uh and uh ask for s- small donations that would add up and then later help one of those is uh bob it's uh, we have a very uh long partnership when i made a short film In 2018 they also supported me mm-hmm. since then we've uh, uh continued with our relationship so one of our main partners is the BOB Shangrila and then mm-hmm. later we've also had uh, I also had to reach out to uh, so for, for this Bhutan camp- campaign what we consciously thought of was to not really seek help from from outside Bhutan even if they were out from outside Bhutan they had to be focused their goal mm-hmm. or their work had to be focused on Bhutan uh there there are a lot of friendship societies 
in uh, in Europe mm-hmm. and across the world, Bhutan, Europe, European friendship societies, and mm-hmm. I reached out to them. Mm-hmm. So I think there are about fifteen or twenty uh, friendship societies, and reached out to all of them, mm-hmm. and uh, three of them la, they came on board as partners on the. And their support was very timely mm-hmm. and helpful. So the, of course, the, the first was the Society Switzerland Bhutan, mm-hmm. uh, and then we also had the German Bhutan Himalaya Society and Friends of Bhutan Austria. Three of them, uh, they were really helpful. Uh, their support was very timely. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've also had support from uh, the Department of Tourism, uh, UNTP Bhutan, handcrafted company that, that also helped uh, support us. Uh, and we've also had any Paro FC football club, uh, the Temple Muscle Factory, Tenzin Sports Complex, because I wanted to also promote health, fitness mm-hmm. also. Quinzelge, any support bail, uh, Bhutan Telecom, uh, Royal Textile Academy, iSport, because we iSport not because we have we shot the whole series on an iPhone, mm-hmm. so they helped us uh, with, with camera, a spare camera, and uh, some of the district uh, administrations. They also came on board la, to help help the, the campaign, uh, namely Chuka, Zonka, Chuka, Ha, Gasa, and Tashigang. So they did come on board, and there were a lot of hotels also that we reached out to, who were real kind enough to give us logistical support. Some gave us free meals, some gave us free uh, lodging. La. So on this, for example, Druk Dejung Resort, Lo Wong Chuk Hotel, Mongar, mm-hmm. uh, the Swiss Guest House in Bumtang, Yangkil Resort in Tongsa. Uh, the Valley Camp in Papjika, Tenziling uh, Luxury Villa Tent, Wangdi Ecolodge, Tashinamgi Resort, and even Ani Uma uh, Resort, uh, Uma Parogi Tapunaka, they also came on board mm-hmm. to support the campaign. So I'm really grateful uh, that uh, there were people who helped in their own small ways, the Mambe Bimbasutibiru. So where we lacked funds from relevant agencies, these uh, came in and uh, filled a gap and helped really help mm-hmm. support the campaign. All right, la. So with that, uh, with the whole project, la, uh, with the campaign and the tour and the right for action tour for now that that you've just completed, yes. what was your takeaway from that project, la? <clears throat> Firstly, I think it was really fulfilling, la. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right word. Secondly, I've also learned uh, uh, that I we have a really long way to go, la. Mm-hmm. Because during my talks to the students, I told them that. I requested them to follow the journey, not mm-hmm. because I know everything, but because that so that we could learn together, together. Uh, take this journey together. Because I'm I'm also just starting this journey, and I want to learn, and I want to teach what I learn, and I, I want to also learn from others. So so that's what my request and my takeaway is. Mm-hmm. With the whole project, did you like? Did you plan for a target audience to, to be specific? Yes. And if you had a, a target audience, how did they take the campaign? So basically, mine the campaign is uh, at least for the Bhutan edition. It's youth oriented mm-hmm. because, uh, to be honest, although there is this huge movement, youth movement around the world, uh, demanding climate action, a lot of the youth still do not really understand uh, how climate change is impacting mm-hmm. us. So in that sense, uh, when I my observations from schools were, uh, I mostly visited high schools, higher secondary or middle uh, higher secondary schools where students uh, did have uh, a topic of climate change in some of their subjects. But uh, I think class 8th grade and below, they, they didn't have much in the curriculum. The, the younger lot uh, were a little clueless about what I was talking about. And this was really uh, important for me, the observ- observation, because 
I, the campaign carries three key messages and one of them is if we could include climate crisis studies mm-hmm. as part of uh, school curriculum not mm-hmm. just limited to higher education mm-hmm. but right from the start if we could include them then we would have uh, w- once the children grows up they w- would be well informed so that when they become leaders or policy makers uh, help them guide them mm-hmm. so that was that's uh, one of the key messages so that observation was really powerful for me mm-hmm. and my uh, message also aligned with that mm-hmm. my other two messages uh, I'll mention them since we're already on this topic the first is uh, to plant trees and stop deforestation mm-hmm. the second key message is urgent immediate or swift transition to renewable re- renewable yeah. energy mm-hmm. and the first one to send the message across we've uh, planted trees with in in schools that I visited mm-hmm. uh, in all my old schools mm-hmm. uh, I would have really liked if I could have done it with all the schools but then uh, it was a little challenging because uh, I was asked by the ministry not to take too much of the students time because school started late this mm-hmm, year definitely. and the academic session that I shouldn't disturb, disrupt the sessions but also we applied partnering with uh, Bhutan Ecological Society uh, and the National Environment Commission uh, so the Bhutan Ecological Society what they're doing is uh, they are planting a million trees fruit food trees, trees and I think most of food trees mm-hmm. along the urban areas mm-hmm. across all the 20 districts so, so we're partnering with them uh, to send that first message across for mm-hmm. the second message uh, we had an electric taxi as a support car for the campaign mm-hmm. so I'd basically be riding in front and my film crew would be in the car following and filming the journey mm-hmm. into an environmental travel and uh, as well as an educational mm-hmm. documentary series yes so for now this uh, the right for action uh, tour has ended more yes. and what are the future plans from there uh, the immediate plan is uh, actually I since I wasn't able to really uh, talk to the students mm-hmm. now so this time mostly it was just uh, during the morning assemblies so mm-hmm. I had to request uh, the school management to give me just a few minutes mm-hmm. so that I could talk to them and show them the bottle but in the future I would like to now since I have uh, materials mm-hmm. I like to make a proper make a proper presentation with uh, images and, and videos and and take more time plan it ahead and visit schools mm-hmm. across the country so it's definitely not going to be a one-time campaign it's uh, going to continue no? it, it, it is mm-hmm. and also apart from that uh, this campaign and the messenger uh, right of action we would really like it to continue mm-hmm. uh, until the end of the decade if mm-hmm. it's possible uh, because uh, scientists have have said that uh, if we only we have less than 10 years mm-hmm. to act before the tipping point of the climate crisis becomes irreversible so through this campaign we want to get that uh, message across we want to tell the world what bhutan is doing what bhutan is doing and what bhutan is not doing for the climate crisis and how we are being impacted mm-hmm. you know with no contribution so we want to get that message across and basically tell the world the world leaders and big businesses mm-hmm. uh, big businesses to to take note of it and uh, and help the small countries that develop the developing and the poor countries that mm-hmm. are be- bearing the brunt of it yes also when i was uh, following uh, when i was looking through some of the content that uh, was posted on social media about you i think during one of your talks to a college uh, i think it was shared up to college like you mentioned about how you had actually stopped shopping 
as well. And I think with One Earth, our program, we also try to really reflect on individual choices and that impacting the environment. So if you have anything to say about that. Yes, I think uh, I I did, I consciously started, uh, uh, stopped shopping since 2018. And then I said, okay, I'll wear all my old clothes until, you know, they're really torn and ragged. Mm -hmm. The new clothes that I have are gifts from friends mm-hmm. and family. I, I want to try and lead by example. I I don't like being preached on, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do the same to others. So mm-hmm. if I can lead by example, I, I think that's the, the strongest message you can convey through. And uh, this is really important. I mean, individually, if we can make contributions, uh, nothing like it. Mm-hmm. But we must also be aware that... Uh, this term carbon footprint mm-hmm. was first coined by these big oil companies la, because they wanted to shift the blame from corporations to the individuals. Mm-hmm. La, and mm-hmm. that has kind of worked la, because wherever you go, people now kind of, kind of focus on the individual footprints, mm-hmm. which is also sure, you know, that would have mm-hmm. an impact. But the, I, I feel the, the focus has to be really on those big, there mm-hmm. are a hundred companies, really big companies that are responsible for 70% of the world's uh, carbon emissions, mm-hmm. greenhouse gas emissions. So while also focusing on individual footprints, mm-hmm. I think the main focus has to be on those companies mm-hmm. to get them to reduce their carbon emissions mm-hmm. drastically. The, the cycling jersey that I wear is designed after, it's called the warming stripes. Mm-hmm. So and people won't see it, but if you see it on online, you see the, these uh, stripes, uh, white, red, dark red. So basically it's warming stripes. Since 1850 till uh, the current time, uh, the how the earth has warmed. So basically these stripes represent the increase in temperature. Mm-hmm. So that, the, the design on the jersey uh, stands for that. And uh, the, cy- the jersey was sponsored by Velour Cycling Company. It's a small starting startup company. And I reached out to them and they were kind enough to sponsor the jersey. And it's made out of uh, recycled. Uh, so they've, they've uh, recycled eight plastic bottles for one single short sleeve jersey mm-hmm. and 16 cycle uh, plastic bottles to to make the long sleeve jersey that I wear. So I, I want to give a big shout out to Velo for, for believing in us and uh, sharing the message with us, the campaign message with us. But apart from all of these... Uh as Mr. Jamyang Chamso, who is also an actor, do we can we do you have any future plans to return as an actor, or <laughs> do you have any projects plans? Although I think this would really take up a lot of my time, but I also want to make films mm-hmm. in between the the campaign uh, because uh, this campaign, I, I said earlier that I would like to continue it until the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. By that I meant uh, every different year. So this year we started cycling in Bhutan. Mm-hmm. So every year from now, I do plan to take this message, carry the bottle and cycle mm-hmm. uh, through different continents until the end of the decade. But while also doing that, in between, I would also love to make uh, short films, short documentaries, feature films, or even uh, series, dramas. Mm-hmm. So I'm open to it. Actually, I'm actually working on uh, with Shangri-La on on, on some content that we will be announcing soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so I think with this, uh, we do come to the end of our conversation. But if you have anything else to add and maybe any message for the listeners. Um, to sum it up, I think uh, the campaign 
is really geared towards creating awareness on the impacts of climate change, but also focusing on the... So, so what I really want to do is, uh, through this campaign, uh, inspire people. That inspire Seudalu is kind of a vague notion, but inspire them to to do what they love, what they want to do in life. If they want to follow and become an environmental advocate or activist, much better. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. But uh, through what I do, what I want, the message is, uh, takeaway would be to do something, to find something that you love, mm-hmm. you're passionate about, something you care about, uh, and uh, find that self-discipline and mm-hmm. consistency to take it forward. Don't be afraid to fall or to fail, because with each failure, uh, it's a learning step. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot. Make sure you learn from it. Don't keep <laughs> Don't the do same it. mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, start small. Don't be afraid to start small mm-hmm. and make uh, mistakes along the way. And I specifically stress on inspiration because uh, I didn't mention earlier, uh, but the reason I'm here is also because of the word inspiration. So while I was uh, recovering from the COVID infection mm-hmm. in New York, I came across uh, an article about an old 99-year-old war veteran uh, who was doing laps around his garden mm-hmm. to raise uh, money for, for the healthcare system in the UK. So I was just beginning to follow his uh, story. And uh, it was from the 1st of April uh, to the 30th of April. So in one month, he was supposed to do thir- uh, 100 laps around his garden. So he was really old. He's on his crutches. And because uh, he, he had just been nursed back to health and he wanted to say thank you uh, to the healthcare system and uh, whatever funds he could raise, he, would want, he wanted to donate it to them. So by the end of the campaign, he raised 23 or 26 million pounds. That was a huge sum. Mm-hmm. But mo- I think more than uh, the amount, what really caught my attention, what really moved me was uh, the fact that in the twilight of his years, he found something, a courage, kindness, you know. He wanted to repay that uh, kindness. And uh, I think that the empathy, courage and kindness uh, it gave me a lot of motivation and inspiration during my recovery phase. So so, so basically, the campaign actually was inspired directly by him. So I saw him, you know, in, on his crutches, circling around his garden. And I said, OK, once I go back to Bhutan, I'm still young right now, mm. you know. I can still do something, maybe something similar. Let us just, maybe I can drive around my country and, and mm-hmm. advocate for climate change. And I said, I think that's too easy. What about if I go on public transportation and reduce my footprint? Mm-hmm. And then I said, no, can, that's a, again also too easy. So I was just, I think I was being a little, little lazy in the beginning. Then I said, and how about an electric car? Then I sat, uh, with this idea for a couple of days and then I then after that I, I thought again that's too easy then I f- finally I said okay I have an old bicycle mm-hmm. I'll cycle uh, around my country and raise awareness and uh, yeah from there I think the campaign started then then I didn't stop there I said okay let me continue it and see if I can do it around the world mm-hmm. so that's the power of inspiration so what through this campaign I hope that I can at least inspire and motivate one person so mm-hmm. that he can go on and uh, inspire another person and maybe start mm-hmm. 
this chain. Yes, so I think with that we come to the end of the session and thank you so much for joining us La, for this um, yes. for this interview. Yes, thank you for having me. Mr. Jamyang plans to ride through every continent until the end of the decade to demand immediate action from world leaders and businesses. With this, we come to the end of our program. Tune in to the English service of PBS Radio at 5.20 p.m. on Thursdays for more. Till then, remember, we only have one earth. So